Happy 2021, Biz Dads. We're back. We're calling this season two because we took such a long break over the holidays. But it's good to be back, man. We are the Biz Dads for season two. We're at episode 31, and we've got a lot of catching up to do. This week, we're going to talk about a quick two-minute rundown of what's been happening in our world over the last few weeks. We're going to talk a lot of sports. Go Browns. Talk a little bit about how my Browns are going to take on Andres' Chiefs on Sunday. Um, lots of sports talk, plenty of interesting things going on in the business world. We'll separate those two. And then we've got a Parenting 101. Obviously, it's been a crazy time in our world, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and how we translate that for our kids. And then finally, our Final Four. What better way to kick off the new year than to throw our goals out there and to be accountable to the world? Let's jump into it. This week's Biz Dads. Hey guys, happy new year. Happy, happy new, new year, year, Brad. Happy new year, Ann. So uh, the best meme I've seen so far is that after the first seven days of the year, everybody said my first seven day trial is up and I do not plan on purchasing 2021. I thought that was great, but uh, we'll get more into all that craziness, but it's been a long break, man. Season one is behind us. What do you guys think? Give me your takeaways from season uh-huh. one of the Biz Dads podcast. And how was it hanging well, out with a bunch of old farts over the podcast here? No, it was great. I got I like hearing y'all's point of view on things. I got to, I get to hear a whole lot more about what's going on in the world, more business news from Andres. Like hearing that kind of stuff is very interesting. But just hearing y'all's advice and hearing your kids' stories, I'm just writing all it down and trying to remember when I have kids one day what I should be doing. But I feel like y'all have given me advice and kind of like my outlet now. Kind of have dropped some bombshells on y'all try to hold those back this season but i feel like it's really good for me to just learn more about parenting you know i'm gonna say uh if i did if this was anything this year it was therapeutic for me i think i heard hints of that in twist yeah synopsis there i mean it was therapeutic for me i don't care if anybody was listening it was great to just sit here chat with a buddy and a good friend to to get to know twist even better just you know put it all out there man yeah, no, I, I agree. And so, uh, yeah, my my take on 30 plus shows last year, I know we had talked about doing this back in probably 2017, 18 on a couple of trips. And I mean, it finally came together and I learned a great deal about just how to process a lot of stuff that's going on as a parent, you know, stuff's hitting you throughout the week as a spouse, as a friend. And then just to say the very least, like living through a pandemic while talking about it sort of every week on the show. Yeah, man. I mean, it was a year that I'll probably look back on and say, you know, I'm glad we had a lot of time at home with the fam and the kids, but obviously, you know, it was disruptive in in many respects. I mean, I lost a family member real, real close to the end of the year, a, a cousin, which was, which was really tragic. But you know, our family came through this year healthy, and I'm glad that we're back on the air. I missed you guys. The last three weeks was there was a void, so I'm raring to go tonight. Well, sorry to hear about your family member. Obviously, that's never uh, news that we want to to share, or um, never want anybody to have to deal with that either. But you know, I think as we w- look back at last year, we covered a lot of stuff. And we talked a little bit about how are we going to start doing this moving forward and, you know, the positive vibes that is 2021, that we're going to keep going, even though it's been a crazy 13 days, the positivity, we're going to do a couple things different here. And one, 
twist is going to be more involved. You know, I think there's a great way for everybody to kind of hear what's on her mind and have more conversations with her and learn more about her generation and what's happening. Two, we're going to be more concise. Maybe we'll be more brief with certain things and be a little more targeted with what we're going to do. So you guys uh, out there listening, tell us if we're missing the mark and we're not staying true to our own biz dad's new year's resolution, but uh, let's jump into that. So two minutes, Andres, you go first two minutes. What was the last four weeks of your life? Like with holidays and new years and everything. And then we'll have the chance to come back at you with some questions, clarity and comments. Go. Two minutes in review. So Christmas was quieter. We had a visit from my brother prior to Christmas, but it was just the immediate family this year. Um, it was a lot of fun. We, um, we then celebrated New Year's Eve just in the neighborhood. Uh, my kids, I shouldn't say this on the air because uh, I'm sure my, my in-laws will probably hear this eventually, but we, um, we let them shoot Roman candles, not at each other, but you remember that was a rite of passage growing up. You had to hold the fireworks and throw them. So that was a cool New Year's. Um, it was a longer break than normal, but the kids are back in school. So, you know, we had a lot of time at home just to um, just to rest, recharge. Sports on the margins, not a ton. You know, here recently in the last couple of nights, there was some good, you know, some good sports on. So I got my fair share of that. As you guys know, I did a ton of reading. I spent a lot of time, Brad and Ann, over the break listening to other podcasts. And my focus was sharpened of, of, you know, over the last four weeks, listening and digesting and hearing uh, podcasts and then talking to people about what podcasts they like and why. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a cool four weeks. I'm recharged, ready to go. There's a ton of stuff going on at work and I will let you take it from here. Wow. Didn't even take his full two minutes. So I have two questions, Anne, and then feel free to jump in. One, why would your in-laws be upset with your kids shooting Roman candles? Well, because, you know, one of them was four and the other one's six. And, you know, my <laughs> daughter's eight, who's probably the most responsible. But, you know, my brother and I grew up throwing firecrackers, you know, apples and firecrackers, you know, um, basically grenades at each other. So it was fun just having those splatter right in your face. Um, but... Heck, everybody was safe. We had a good New Year's. And what were the top podcasts that you listened to? That's a great question. I spent a fair amount of time listening to Tim Ferriss. Anybody that's listen, listening to podcasts these days has, has probably heard of Joe Rogan. Um, he's got a longer form podcast. I didn't listen to uh, very many of his shows, but I did listen to some Joe Rogan. And I listened to some of the true crime podcasts, you know, those are, those are kind of a, those are popular right now. And it's like um, Jersey shore for the ears. Yeah, exactly. And then all um, kinds of drama. Yeah. And, and a lot of these uh, were different because our show doesn't have a lot of guests yet, but it will. But a lot of these podcasts, they have, you know, it's more of a Q and a sort of interview format. And, uh, but no, there's a lot of great ones out there. And you know what's amazing is how many athletes over the last year have launched podcasts. Um, I've particularly noticed a huge uptake in NBA players, former and current, um, launching podcasts. So there's just so much out there. Um, and I'm always you know, looking for a way to improve it. And uh, I'm hoping to bring some of those ideas to bear with BizDads. 
So twist two minutes. You probably have, I don't know if you're gonna be able to fit it all in two minutes, but go. So my sister got engaged. That was incredible. She was very surprised. The next day they got a dog. So that was even better. And we've been playing a lot with the dog. Christmas was different. It was small, but we still had a lot of family bonding. Our family knows how to have fun. So we still had a lot of fun. I took my grandpa on a date of the old Sears building. And that was probably my highlight of the week because he was just so cute and was reliving his glory days and told me a lot of funny stories. Brad got me a masterclass subscription and I've been loving that and watching a lot of, or a lot of classes on that. Um, I went down to Savannah for New Year's. Sorry, COVIDville. No masks were even down there. Clemson lost. I had a very ugly cry. I was very upset about that. I joined a tennis team and I am 2-0. and They told me they were going to listen to this, so I love them. And then I feel very recharged and excited for our work ahead after Trenches had a little sales strategy meeting before we left for break. And we got a lot done in it. And it made me very excited for the future ahead. But other than that, nothing else really. I think that's all. So, Andres, there's something you need to know about Anne. We did this sales retreat <laughs> and... Um, you know, I'm 20 years and senior and her boss outside of biz dads. And we decided that at the end of the, you know, the long, very productive workday, we were going just the, the small group of us, the three of us, we're going to go to an escape room. Mm. So we did an escape room where you had to find and defuse a nuclear missile at, uh, over it. It was like, you were in a bazaar and, a, you know, you had to get all these clues. I have never seen the side of Anne. She went straight alpha and was like not listening. She wanted to just run away with it. Basically, it's like Terry and I didn't even exist. And at some point, I had to physically move her out of the way when she was getting it wrong and would not admit that she was getting it wrong. And I kind of I kind of liked it. I, I was like, man, this is the Anne I want to see more in the work environment. Because, you know, she took no BS, man. She just jumped right in and hit it out. So it was, it was, uh, it was definitely a fun one. Um, another little thing I learned about Anne here is that uh, she's been talking more about this tennis. And every time she talks about tennis, she drops these subtle hints about how she's playing <laughs> so far down. <laughs> like she should be playing five or six, as she would say, levels higher than she's actually playing. So basically she's out there just smoking old ladies and no, I'm really not. Well, this past week I did. I'm very rusty still, but I do think I should be playing higher, but I'm not smoking them. I'm probably going to get killed ne- next week just for saying that. But <laughs> um, Now, I also want to know on the master class, because I think it's pretty cool. I've, um, and what's your favorite master class thus far? Serena Williams. Serena Williams. That's been my favorite. If you don't know what master class is, it's basically all of these very well-known, recognizable people teaching a quick lesson. So Serena Williams teaches you, you know, how to be a great tennis player, how to hit a hit a winning forehand and, you know, Bobby Flay teaches you how to cook a an immaculate meal and, you know, I mean there's all kinds and there's and it's everything. It's business, it's social, it's fashion, it's, you know, culture. Uh it's pretty neat. Andres, have you uh, have you seen any masterclass? Have you dug into that at all? Oh, uh, well, yes I have, Brad. And what a good segue. There's something that- <clears throat> 
there's something cool about masterclass the lessons i guess they're they're short so they're 10 to 15 minutes long and it's kind of enough um just to kind of get you hooked to do the next class sort of like binge watching netflix shows um you just you sit down and like the next thing you know three hours have gone by so for my birthday heidi did that same promo and so i over the last month i have done two of the master class the first one that i did was Doris Kearns Goodwin, who's the presidential historian, who's been on the TV a lot lately, mm -hmm. giving commentary, given all the stuff that's happened in, in D.C. and with President Trump over the last several weeks. Um, and then I just am finishing up the Malcolm Gladwell masterclass, which is pretty cool. So that's my next one. That's what I want to dig into. Yeah. Anybody that's that's read any of his books like Blink and Tipping Point and What the Dog Saw and mm -hmm. David and Goliath. He, um, he talks a lot about his style of writing, so I think you'll enjoy it. Um, so it's cool. Well, here's what we're going to have to do with the Masterclass. Uh, a, get them as a sponsor, now that we're talking about That's them right. on the BizDead like, show. Like but B, I think we're going to have to take a Masterclass uh, together as a group and then use the show and have a segment and call it great segment. the That's Masterclass great Takeaway. Great idea. Great week. idea. The Masterclass Homework. I like it. Excellent. Excellent. I have one question for, for Ann, though. Ann, as a, uh, okay, so you're playing tennis. Tennis is very popular here in Atlanta. And you're in a women's league, correct? Mixed doubles. Mixed doubles. Okay, so you, my question's kind of not going to work then because I was hoping that I was going to be able to ask you when you're playing Mrs. Olecki. And I was going to show up for that match because <laughs> I've always wanted to see Margaret Ann on the tennis court. She plays a lot of tennis, I know. And so... I was going to bring the whole family out and see you two battle, but well, I guess I'm going to have to wait. Well, we could actually do a mixed one with my partner versus Brad and MMA. Hey. Yeah, so um, now you're talking. a couple things there. <laughs> uh, one, Margaret Ann is not on Ann's level. Margaret Ann's a great tennis player, and she's kind of natural. She never grew up playing. Yeah. She just started playing as an adult. She's an athlete. Um, but she, she, she'll stroke it, man. She, she's super competitive, which is actually really fun to watch. Um Got to stay out of her way for like a good 45 minutes to an hour and a half after she loses a match because yeah, there's no console in that. But Margaret Ann and I played a couple seasons of mixed doubles. And here is a husband 101. <laughs> the last match we ever played together uh, almost ended in divorce. I was playing a former co a former employee actually of my dad's who was my dad's age. So this guy is like 30 plus years older than me, right? And he is making my fat ass run line to line all over the place, just dropping shots like he is Pete Sampras or Andy Murray. What a throwback you know? name there. I know. I don't know why I came up with Pete yourself. Sampras. Whatever. The, the biz dads will understand. Ann doesn't know who he is. Ann probably knows who it is. The rest of them don't. So halfway through the match, dude, I smash my racket into the court and break it. I have to. Oh my play, gosh. I have to play the last half of the match with a broken racket because I didn't have another one. And Margaret Ann's like, "That is the only time I have truly ever wanted to just end things right there, walk off the court, never see you again, and be done, be done with it." Um, so we haven't played tennis since, and we will never play tennis together again because I like my life. I like my marriage. Are you serious? Okay. Dude, so we, you we 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 have followed that up by playing each other one on one at our courts like down here and I've got a big serve and she, she can't hit return it. 
I mean, we almost got divorced that time too, so we can't even play against each other. Oh my gosh. Okay, here's what's going to happen now. I, see, we had all these intentions of having this very deliberate, targeted show, but it's just the nature of biz dads. Here's what's going to happen in 2021. We are going to play mixed doubles. It's going to be Brad and my wife with uh, on one oh. side against Margaret Ann and I. I like that. We can do that. Because the last time I tried to play a sport with my wife, it almost led to a divorce as well. <laughs> Oh my goes, it goes back to 2000 and probably four. My wife said, why don't we play co-ed volleyball this year with some people that I work with? So she played volleyball growing up and knew what she was doing. And I was the jerk that was trying to just do the Karch Karai spike every time the ball <laughs> came over the net. And so it was a very unfortunate season and we haven't played a sport together since. So, Yeah. Husband 101, just that's too funny. Let your wife stay in her lane and do her thing, and you just stay home that night and take care of the kids. I'm not taking that advice. I'm definitely playing games with my husband, and if he can't keep up, then he's out. It's not about playing games with you. You will learn that you become so competitive with your with your significant other, and you just find things that you do not do together because it's toxic. And when you can't handle the frustration that comes out of your husband or your wife or whatever. You it, it amplifies it literally compounds. Okay, so I anyway. take that back. I remember playing with my boyfriend at one this one particular activity, and I was like, I hate playing this game with you. Yeah, he kicked so, your ass in yeah. squash all the time. No, no, not squash. That was against each other. Well, we played uppy uppy with each oh, other, yeah. and he was terrible at uppy uppy. For those of you who don't know, Anne invented a game called uppy uppy. Someday we'll have a whole segment on her explaining uppy uppy to you, and you can tell her what you think about that Andres. Um all right, so so now Brad, you are on the clock. My 2 minutes. You now have 2 minutes to tell us about what happened over the last month in your life. So, it was crazy. Christmas was insane because my mother-in-law got COVID. Still to this day is not feeling well. That proceeded to get my father-in-law COVID. And my sister-in-law, who was living with them because her house was under a massive renovation, she got COVID. So we still haven't had Christmas with my in-laws. Um, they're all doing well. I think they're still very tired and dealing with all of it. My brother uh, came down to visit. The USPS totally botched his gift. So he left here without getting his gift, which I just received the other day, which now I have to spend 20-something dollars to ship to him in Chicago. Kind of sucks. Oh, it's like, that's like a fifth of the gift price for crying out loud. Then uh, New Year's, this is the first New Year's ever. I'm starting a trend. So if 2021 goes really, really great in the, the aggregate, guys, I'm not talking about the first 13 days. Uh, you're all welcome because I went to sleep before midnight. I've never done that before. I only woke up briefly with the idiots uh, firing fireworks in the driveway behind us um they're great people but i was like man this is the one year i want to go to sleep why are you shooting fireworks off come on give me a break could you know wait till i'm ready to like hang out and party again i'll shoot fireworks with you but nonetheless that was my two weeks and now we're in virtual school again so boom there it is two minutes on the dot go that was impressive that was impressive man i thought you were gonna riff on a whole bunch of other stuff sports politics but hey man Deliberate, focused, Deliberate. real world events, am, chronological. That's what's happening, yo. I am seeing it. I'm impressed. All right. My question is this um, Did you guys, over the two and a half, three weeks that you guys had off, did you guys completely unplug 
for like one of those weeks? Or did you find yourself like working, hanging out with the boys? Obviously you didn't travel. What was, what was it like? Cause I, you've been on this like journey for the last like six, nine months with the big ass calendar club and your health and going to bed before midnight. I mean, there's a trend there. So I'm curious. Um, I would say I didn't fully unplug. I did. I mean, we didn't do a whole lot trenches wise the end of the year after our big planning session, we kind of worked through that, took some time. I mean, we didn't, we, it was low key. It was nice. I mean, we didn't go anywhere. Having the family in for, you know, my folks and my brother and his wife it was cool to see them, but it was, I mean, it was pretty low key, you know, and I just, I was so over, I, I have actually had a worse post 2020 feeling where I, I'm like, Oh, I'm over super over it now. Um, this is, you know, my couch session. I am very bottled up right now to where I was like, I need a guy's night. I need a change of scenery. I need something really good. I, so that's probably the biggest craziness coming out of it. And part of this journey is that all of that's going really, really well, but I am so over all of this insanity. We'll get to some of that insanity later. Yep. One one last quick question. Have you jumped on the Peloton over the last four weeks? Because the rumor is our wives are doing some Peloton rides together. Yeah, man. I have uh, I have been doing a lot of Peloton rides. We'll talk about it in the final four. But I've got a goal, a Peloton goal, and I, have, I dig it. It's really great. I'm doing 20 and 30-minute rides, which are crazy hard when they're like high intensity. Hard for me, but I love it. That's good. Good yeah. stuff, man. Absolutely. Sounds like it was a good four weeks. All right. We got a lot of stuff to cover. Let's jump in. Let's do it. Let's jump into sports and biz news. All right. Most important thing that happened over the last four weeks, Cleveland Browns won a playoff game. They're going to play your Chiefs. Sunday, I don't know what's going to happen. I can only hope it's really, really competitive and that it goes my way. To tell you, I have made my son watch Believe Land. If you have not watched the last, the 30 for 30 Believe Land, even if you're not a Cleveland fan, go check it out. Ben loved it. We just finished watching it. And it was massive, dude. Like to be able to say that the Cleveland Browns won a playoff game, <laughs> it is statistically harder to be as bad as they have been over the last three decades than it is to be as good as the Patriots have been over the last two decades. Right. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. So anyway, go Browns. You know, the look, the, the home field advantage, which, which, uh, normally would, I think, you know, give the chiefs at least a kind of a seven point sort of lead margin, whatever you want to call it over uh, an incoming team. I mean, that's kind of taken away. So there's a lot of sort of cool storylines, obviously with the Browns, Baker Mayfield second, you know, second big playoff game, Kareem Hunt making a return to Arrowhead. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an intriguing matchup. I just hope we're not rusty coming off of uh, a two-week you know, layoff because a lot of the Chiefs didn't play in the regular season final and uh, finale and then we're, we're out the bye week. But as, uh, as the playoffs go, anything can happen. But speaking of playoffs, Brad, I know that you checked out this Nickelodeon NFL playoff coverage last week of the saints playing yeah saints bears so we're watching uh, you know i want the boys to be able to sit down and watch football right that's like that would be the godsend for me to be able to sit down on a sunday 
and watch football with both boys, give Margaret Ann a break, and you know be able to do what I want to do on a Sunday. I, I will tell you this. One, from a business standpoint, it is truly the direction that media is going to go. It is customized for a specific audience. Um, it was you know, authentically integrated. They had uh, a young girl, kind of a probably 15, 16-year-old girl, who was one of the broadcasters. They had Nate Burleson, um, you know, an NFL, a former NFLer who was really the kind of the key lead guy, uh, and then a play-by-play announcer. And they did really cool stuff. And depending on what side of the coin you're on, you either loved it because it was so creative and so well done, um, or you thought it was cheesy as hell, and there were plenty of memes built around it. But I think ultimately it shows that uh, the content creation is is so key to capturing younger audiences. Um, my kids were engaged. They loved seeing SpongeBob between the goalposts. They loved the slime in the end zone. They loved understanding and the, the way they explained the rules of the game was awesome, man. I mean, they 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 brought it down to the kids' level and they were able to explain what was happening in real time. And I, I just think the kids loved it. And, you know, it captured their attention for a good bit. Um, they didn't sit down and watch the whole game. But, I mean, they they watched 100% more than they usually have in the past. It was kind of cool. Yeah, I caught a little bit of it. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing more sports doing this. Because, you know, you're right. Like, you sit down to watch, like, a, a, a long three-hour game. Hey, that's a long time to sit with somebody – you know, that's, that's young. The kids like to be moving around and B it's, it's like, imagine trying to explain like the rules of baseball. I mean, I don't even understand the rules. So that's pretty cool. Um, it was great. I have a, I have a question on the business side of that. Who, who owns Nickelodeon? I'm just curious who's behind like putting this all together. CBS Viacom. So CBS had the rights to that game broadcasted on the, over the air CBS network. And then they, they did this. It's cool. ESPN did the super mega cast for a national championship game on yep. Monday. And what was really what's really cool about it is you could go in and you could hear alumni from your team calling a very biased version of the game. You could see different camera angles on a different channel. I mean, that's what's amazing about it right now is to be able to to watch the game six to eight different ways. I mean, that's pretty cool. The the national oh, championship yeah. is great. Alabama wins their 18th slash 13th national championship, depending on, uh, you know, since the polls were out, I think this is 13 for them. But most importantly, Saban takes the lead, seventh national championship, most all time breaking Bear Bryant's record. Got a little teary eyed the post game speech. I mean, you got to just love him or hate him. You got to respect him. Hey, I, I watched a little bit of that game and uh, I was going to, I was going to say in jest. From whichever angle you watch that telecast, uh, nobody could um, stay with Devontae Smith. And I'm becoming a fan of him. I mean, I didn't watch him, you know, all four years. But I remember he's the one that caught the touchdown pass uh, in that heartbreaking Georgia-Bama national championship game, right? And to see him— we can edit that part out. Yeah, we can take that out for all the Georgia dog fans. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, just kidding. But no, I mean, it, it sounds like the guy's just, uh, you know, just a beloved uh, Bama ball player, you know, leader. Um, everybody in the locker room listens to him. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit was just gushing over this guy. So I'm looking forward to seeing him in the NFL. I mean, uh, you know, being a, being a parent and obviously looking for role models, 
I love hearing stories about these guys that are, you know, super humble. They work their ass off. And uh, it was sad to see him not be able to play kind of the second half of the game, but he still got MVP, right? Yeah. I mean, he, you know, the coolest thing about him is his Heisman Trophy acceptance speech. He said, you know, for all those kids out there that aren't big enough mm. or are told that you're too small, don't, you don't listen. Like, you can mm-hmm. do what I did. And I mean, he really is quite the role model. Your Chiefs are about to get hit with quite the role model right in the middle of the teeth on Sunday with a Nick Chubb, who is another good example of, he didn't win the Heisman Trophy, but Nick and Devontae have that same level of, you know, quiet intensity, but uh, humbleness. Mm-hmm. And just just go to work, man. They're lunch pail carriers, as we say. So that's very, great. very cool. Um, yeah, that's good. You know, a lot of other sports stuff for us to talk about. There was some interesting sports business that happened. We were talking about it a little bit earlier this week that uh, Sixth Street stepped up and bought Legends. Legends is, um, for those that don't know, was a joint venture between the Yankees and the Cowboys. Could you bring together two more iconic sports franchises, right? And they started off just on the hospitality side, really working in the – you know, in the premium sales and, and, and luxury suite business, if you will, and have grown, you know, into all as avenues of the sports business at this point, they are managing attractions. They are, um, they're obviously selling naming rights. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of what we do at trenches, just a lot bigger and a lot better. But, um, to have that group bought out by, to have 51% of it bought out by Sixth street just adds, so much credibility to the business. I mean, they, they're crushing it. Yeah. I mean, this is a really interesting transaction because I mean, if, if you have the opportunity to put two franchises together in one deal, you'd be hard pressed to pick two. They're probably more valuable and you know, way more about the sports franchise valuation area, but the Yankees and the Cowboys, I mean, (laughs) That's pretty good company to keep, and I think it's it's sort of a, a continuing trend, Brad, of what we've seen over the last several years with more and more convergence, I guess you could say, between um, private equity and institutional capital and sports properties, sports franchises, and their business model. And so, yeah, it's an interesting transaction, about a billion three in uh in valuation including the debt and uh this transaction is going to be one of i think what will be many deals we've talked a lot about SPACs in the first season of our show and i think that that's going to continue to be an area where we're gonna we're gonna cover ground so it's an interesting deal sixth street is a spinoff of of a big private equity group called tpg um out of texas and uh they've got i think it's you know around $50 $50 billion under management. So this is a, a relatively small deal for them, actually. But it's an interesting area, and I'm sure we'll continue to follow it in the next season. Yeah, man, it's definitely – there's there's a lot of unique business things, and we'll have to hit on more of them. I mean, the NCAA paused their name, image, likeness vote, which has caused a lot of conversation. I mean, you, we've got the Super Bowl coming up, which is obviously going to be so much different this year than it has been in years past. Um so many people I know did not go to the national championship, which is usually the second largest event. The Masters just came out that they're going to let patrons on the sacred grounds in April for the Masters. I mean, that's 
there's some big things happening. So we'll we'll have to uh, dive in to more of those as we get in here into season two. But uh, a couple of interesting things in the business world. You know, it's interesting to me. I, like I think I told you, I've started to watch a lot more CNBC and and you need to watch uh, Wall Street. Have you ever seen the movie Wall Street? I've seen Wolf on Wall Street. That's that's an interesting one, um, but no, you need that, to learn. You need to learn. For the Gordon... record, would be the worst movie that you could watch to understand. That's right, Wall Street, but need... it does. It it it's. Uh, but no, I mean, I think I think you're right, Brad. I mean, I think you know, there's so much complexity to this stuff. Um, and I, I think one thing we'll we'll try to do more of on the show is just you know break stuff down at a at a more basic level. Um, and help people understand kind of some of the things that are going on behind the scenes. So, and here's your homework. You need to be able to, on the next show, you need to be able to tell us who Gordon Gecko is. So then you can also watch like, so we'll give you a whole list of them. Andres, give, give her a whole list of great movies she needs to watch. Oh man, there's, I mean, you know, if you want the dramatic side and the embellished side of, of, uh, of Wall Street, I mean, you need to start with Wall Street. Find out who Gordon Gecko is. Find out who Bud Fox is. Come back to us and tell us about Anacott Steel. And uh, and then from there, you know, go to, uh, I don't know, you can go to a modern version of a movie about the Boiler Room culture of Wall Street. Um, Boiler Room, go, that's a good go, one. Go ben to Boiler Affleck. Room. The only scene you need to watch in Boiler Room is Ben Affleck when, you know, he's got all the trainees in the boardroom. And and then we can, you know, well, let's start there. That's, that's, that's your first, this is not Wall Street. Uh, but these are entertaining, funny movies to watch. You're saying Wolf of Wall Street isn't a good preview of Wall Street? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's not. But uh, Jordan Belfort, uh, who uh, that movie is about, uh, has resurrected himself and is um, now a sales trainer, I think, and uh, sells sales training um, software and programs. And that movie is much more about selling. It, yeah. than it is Wall Street. It, that, I mean, the guy's a crook. It's a criminal. It literally yeah. is a felon. Um, okay, I'll watch it. So, but anyway, I think if you, you to be the killer that I know Anne wants to be, uh, you need to see some of those, you know, epic movie scenes. Um, but anyway, you know, I also, it's pretty interesting since we have not been on the air, the Congress passed a second PPP loan. We've gone an entire show right now talking about the fact that are not talking about the fact that we had a president impeached for the second time for the first time ever, right? It, it's it, here's one thing I wanted to say about the presidency is a quick question, and I teach this to the boys, and I want to know if you agree or disagree. Regardless, I I am a believer that regardless of who is in office, your job is to respect the office of the president, and you don't have to agree with the office of the president or their policy or like them. It's not a popularity contest, but you have to respect the office of the president. And we'll talk a lot more about it as we jump into the parenting one-on-one, but um, has that changed? You know, the, the old sentiment of, I think our parents' generation was much more of a, you respect the office, not just the individual. Um, has that changed in your opinion? Do you think that has kind of, we've lost all of that? And it's no longer about the office. It's now become this individual and this person that's too visible um, to move past that to the office and try to respect what their job is and the challenges and the responsibility that they have. Yeah, I mean, it's a that, that's a it's a big big question. I think you know it gets down to which perspective. I mean, 
should the person in that seat respect the office of the president or should we as voting, you know, uh, Americans, people who love this country, should we be respecting the office of the president regardless of, of who's in that seat? And I mean, I, I think, both. yeah, I mean, I think you could, you could make the case that, you know, the last, you know, the last two weeks, right. Um, I mean, we didn't even talk about, you know, what happened in Georgia with the two Senate races. There's been so much news in terms of, politics over the last two weeks. But yeah, I mean, I think in general, I grew up and it always felt like the presidency was so, you know, it was sort of like, I don't say mythical, but it was so far away from, you know, growing up in a small town in Newton, Kansas, right? Now with the media and social media and just the way in which the coverage, I guess, of the White House and what's going on in in uh, D.C. is just it's literally everywhere all the time, if you want it, that it does feel just like that entire political thing. Congress, the Supreme Court, uh, the presidency, all is different. And maybe that's just because I'm getting old. But and has it ever crossed a conversation in your generation about the presidency versus the president? Has that ever been brought up? Yeah, I feel like like when Trump and Biden were going against each other. It was just because of Trump was a terrible human being. They weren't really thinking Republican or Democrat. Yeah. I mean, I really think that's what it boils down to. I mean, I, I had this conversation with my wife about the popularity contest and the personal view of someone and how that has completely clouded the policy. We used to vote on policy. Yeah. And that has changed 100%. so drastically where it's now a popularity contest. And I think social media has obviously driven that. And I know we're way off topic here, but it was for me, it was just something I wanted to, to throw out there because it just kind of crossed my mind that how you look at the president has changed drastically. Now, hopefully that's, that's, there's a resurgence in that because you have what most people would call a more presidential looking sounding person. For as long as he's in office, anyway, till they to make him retire. <laughs> well, one of the one of the one of the things I talked about earlier in the show was was the masterclass that you know you you gifted Anne and and that you've started. You guys have both started watching. And the first the first show that we watched the first uh, the first uh, teacher was as I said it was Doris Kearns Goodwin, who's a presidential historian. She's written I don't know five or six books on former presidents, FDR, Teddy Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln. She wrote Team of Rivals. Um, so listening to her talk about um, these, these, you know, these men who became the president, um, it, was, it was really, really enlightening. And so when I watched that and then I contrasted that with what my experience has been as a, as a voting American – Right. And as an individual who goes to the voting poll every four years, I'm like, can I get some of that? I mean, not all of them. Right. I don't I didn't agree with I didn't even though I didn't vote for um, a lot of these guys. Like, can I get some of that Abraham Lincoln leadership again? Can I get some of that, you know, FDR leadership again? Can I get some of that George Washington leadership again? That's what I'm talking about. When you're growing up, like our kids, Brad, are learning about this revered office, these revered leaders and I feel like, yeah, you turn on the TV and all you see is like negative attack ads, right? And the personality and and I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I mean, I, I, I hope it does get back 
to we can look at DC and see leaders and not and, and not be so bogged down in the personality. Yeah. Well, great segue to this week's Parenting 101. So continuing on that conversation, I I mean, obviously we all know what happened over the last week. And you and I text about it quite a bit. Um, let me say this. I think it is absolutely disgusting what happened. And I have talked to a lot of people to try to find a way to, to make sense of how I was feeling about all of it. But going to the fact that this is these are hallowed chambers, I should say. These are historical offices and places. Um, and the history that we learned was really, for the most part, all about the, to your point, the leadership. There wasn't a lot of bad. You wonder how things like what happened this week are going to be portrayed in history where we didn't hear about a whole lot of it. You heard the last time the Capitol was attacked, it was burned to the ground 200 years ago. The news continues to shed light on the you know, unfortunate loss of you know, police who were trying to defend it. The manhunts for these people who these criminals who, uh, you know, did this unspeakable act. Uh, and, and it's something that's not going to go away. It's not something that we're going to feel good about. But now it's led to an impeachment for a second time of a president. And the implications of that are huge meaning he can no longer run for office again following this, meaning that he loses his Secret Service detail. You know, he loses his, for lack of a better I guess it's pension. I don't know if that's what's called. But all of those things are now um, impacted by this. And I've had a lot of friends. I, I live in the middle, and I have a lot of friends who are very, very emotional and very, very heated on both sides of the coin. And all I'll say about it, Andre, is I still haven't figured out how I truly feel about everything because I have so many different questions and because I try to find so much balance. And the point of our Parenting 101 is how do you explain it to your kids? And we tried to take a very honest approach with what was going on, that these people acted in an unexcusable way and they were wrong and a lot of people are going to be hurt because of these actions. And that ultimately these people's actions have now muted their words. And personally, I now am in search of a party to support because of these actions. Right. Um, so I even struggle with how do I, consume and deal with and move forward from all of this. So that's my, my opening spiel. I'd love for you guys to just kind of riff on it. No real direction here, but you know, I want to hear from both of you. Yeah, Brad. I mean, you, you said a lot of stuff there and, and I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I think the way that I processed what happened, you know, we had, you know, we had a lot happen last week, right? We had the Georgia Senate races. Um, and you and I talked about how, for weeks, we turn on TV and our kids would come in and it would be negative, 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 right? And so that so I was sort of going into this whole um, runoff in Georgia, thinking like, okay, we'll find out what happens, and then you know we're going to move towards a 
a you know a January 20 inauguration. It's going to be heated. There's going to be a lot of emotion, and and continue to hear this sort of rhetoric coming from the media. And then, like, I'm sitting in my office, and I had the news on that day because I was just watching the returns coming in. I think the day the night before was was the race, and they kind of called the Warnock. And the next day, they were still trying to sort of sort out if Ossoff was going to beat David Perdue for the second seat. So I was kind of watching the news that day. And and all of a sudden, I see this massive protest out in front of the U.S. Capitol. And it just was like, okay, it's just a protest. We saw a lot of protesting over the summer. But then shit, like... Next thing you know, they're like barreling in the door. And I I don't often post to Twitter, um, but I did post a picture. And the picture was uh, just one of the many images that I'm sure, you know, folks saw that day. Um, regardless of sort of where you are in, in, you know, your political persuasions. But this was a picture of like, law enforcement inside the floor of of congress guns drawn you know like pointing their guns out the door at you know whoever was on the other side and i i put that up on my twitter handle and i basically said now how am i supposed to explain this to my kids which is exactly what our segment's about parenting 101 and how are you supposed to explain what happened and so in the context of this segment We've talked about it, you know, like my daughter's eight and I think Ben in her third grade, they're starting to study politics. And because we had a presidential election, which is every four years, I know they had a segment in third grade in the fall semester about the presidential election, the House of Representatives. So we had this well, dinner conversation. And they're able to now read, you know, lower thirds on broadcast when we're watching it. Like before, you know, I mean, they've been able to read for a couple of years now, but not the at the detail or the complexity that they are now. And now you can't hide it from them. I mean, we're watching it. We had to talk about it. We had to. Yeah. And we yeah. chose to take the path of right versus wrong, people getting hurt, actions speaking louder than words. And that's the direction that we took. For right or wrong or indifferent, you can judge me all you want. But I, at the end of the day, what really boiled down to was they have to understand that something's really bad is happening right here. But I don't need to politicize it for them. I don't need to go down the road of Democrats, Republicans, you know, liberals, conservatives, you know, all that. I just some people did. I, I mean, I talked to a couple families who made their kids sit down and watch every second of it that they could and and really, really dove deep. Um, and I don't mm -hmm. I don't know if I could have done that yet. I don't, I don't I'm not ready for that. And I don't know if my kids are either. I was pretty glued to the coverage the day of the mob attack on the Capitol, I'll be honest, like that night, I was very, I was riled up. And I, you know, I, we talked over text to your point. Um, and I spoke with several family members. And it was just a very emotionally draining day. And we were supposed to record that night. And I was like, I, I don't know if I can record and not talk about this. Um, I also don't know that I had formed all my thoughts. And we didn't have all the information, right? Things were still coming in. Now that we've had another week um, and you mentioned it earlier, I, I didn't check the news right before we started recording, but it does, it does sound like there's been another impeachment, but I guess I'll say this, um, 
if there's ever been a time in my life and you know, I'm 42, um, that I have been, I would, I don't want to say the term scared, but I would say the term worried about concerned, yeah, concerned about our institutions, our democracy, our democratic institutions, and just how to the brink they've been stretched and pushed over the last year. Again, taking no sides in this comment, they have they, the fragility of our system has been put on full display. And that's what I said earlier about, you know, the, the masterclass, I don't, you know, it was just sort of hindsight, I guess, or, or good fortune, you know, listening to the history of these leaders, I go back to some of the things that they talked about with Lincoln. And Lincoln, you know, is held in such high regard by so many presidents. One of the things that stuck out about me with that particular masterclass is that, you know, they talked about Lincoln's ability just to remain emotionally balanced. I mean, if you think about it, right, there was a civil war, there was the Emancipation Proclamation, there was, you know, a divided nation, just like we have today. And I just really feel like leadership is so critical right now. And I'm hoping, really, really hoping that cooler heads are going to prevail. And what I'm trying to sort of teach my kids is that you can have feelings and emotions and, and you should, and you should be informed about what's going on. Um, and obviously they're young. So it comes to a point um, about just basic sort of decency and right and wrong. And I think those are things that we can be teaching our kids all the time. You know, we don't need a riot and a mob to attack the Capitol and, you know, people being being killed for these opportunities to come up to really, you know, have these conversations with our kids. But yeah, I mean, as a parent, man, I mean, this is these are real historic times that we're living in. I just, you know, I'm 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 really hopeful. I'm really, really hopeful as an American that over the next, you know, week, week and a half, but even longer term, you know, that that common decency prevails. Absolutely. Now, I, we actually referenced a real time example that was going on in our, um, in our house, uh, during the four week break or whatever it was, our kids were playing outside with a lot of the other boys in the neighborhood. And there became a divide in the groups of boys. We're talking about like 10 boys, maybe even more. And there were several days where my kids, my two boys came home and complained that the other kids weren't being nice. And they're actually, my oldest actually got into a little scuffle with with a kid three years older than him in, in the backyard over, you know, basically got into a fight, his first fight, I guess. And, you know, what boils, what boils down to it was they needed to learn how to talk it out. And I used that as an example. And I told them, even even before this, I had been telling them, you need to go over there and talk to them about how it's more fun for all of us when we're playing together than it is for us to have this divide and this battle they were calling it between that group and your group. You're within few houses. You're so blessed to have all of these kids to be able to play with in these crazy times. Like you need to be able to be the one that um, leads the effort to, to resolve the conflict, if you will. And so because that had happened over the last several weeks, I was able to, to say, you know, like this is very much like that. There are different sides here that 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 disagree and have not been able to have reasonable discussions to find a you know, to to find a place where they can communicate properly. And 
you know, and I will tell you again, I, I mentioned it already once, but there is now a, such a huge divide in this country that there, the, the political parties do not reflect the country anymore. And my brother and I talked a lot about it, um, because of all of this and it's troubling, um, to know that everybody, everybody that I speak with or the, not everybody, the majority of the people that I speak with on a daily basis don't necessarily side with one extreme side or the other. And I think that's why we're able to have such civil conversations. They, we have, we have different policies that we disagree on. Um, but we were able to talk about it in a very civil way. We're able to talk about race and social injustice in a very civil way. We're able to talk about, you know, welfare and healthcare. We should be able to talk and communicate and use our words. But because now we have been put in two camps, this one or that one, you can no longer have a civil conversation with someone who is of the opposition. It'd be like you and I sitting here and saying, we're not talking about the Browns Chiefs game because you're a Chiefs fan and I'm a Browns fan. You can go screw yourself, pal, because no matter what you say, I won't believe that Patrick Mahomes is any good. I mean, it's that un- it's really that unreasonable that these things have it has become and people aren't able to just communicate anymore. So um, sorry to get on high horse, but at the end of the day, that's what bothers me more than anything is that the the majority of the people that that I think really thoughtfully think through all of these things and make a decision one way or another don't have a home. They, they, they fall into this world of insanity where it's that versus them. It's, 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 it's us versus them or it's those guys versus those guys and nobody, you don't know where to go. Yeah. I mean, I look, I think part of the, the biggest challenge that I've had over the last, you know, especially over the last, I would say, month and a half, two months since the election is, you know, we, we had a result, right? And by most reasonable people's, you know, uh, understanding, even after multiple, you know, uh, attempts to investigate and identify, you know, potential fraud and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's, it's, it gets to the floor of the Congress. And it's like, these guys can't even do a, a certification. And my biggest challenge with with our process, our democratic process, is that we had a lot of people that bought into this this narrative, Brad, this lie over the course of two months. And then it got to the point where they literally like went and sacked the Capitol, right? Temporarily. It wasn't a very organized mob, but they literally took over the Capitol. And so you know, when it gets to that point, like I'm, I, I just, as I said to somebody else, this isn't about politics anymore. Like this is about if you're an American and you and you care about our country, you have to like draw a line under something and kind of say like, this is, you know, there's, and I think you you are trying to say that or you did say that with respect to having this decent conversation. I'll just leave it at this: the president, when they get to the White House. The only thing that ultimately matters anymore, the only audience they have, because they have all this power, right? Um, the only audience that matters, as Doris Kearns Goodwin said, is history. So history will, to your point, it, w- it will look back on this era, this time that we're in, and say, what were these people doing? What were they thinking? You know, all of them. And 
you know, you just hope you're on the right side of history, I guess. Yeah, that's well said. You know, I think it's a good way to wrap it up. Let's just pray and hope that um, that incident is over. There is nothing else to come uh, during the inauguration and that we just move to the peaceful transition and most importantly, um, a healing four years. All right. Long one, but a good one. We had a lot of catching up to do. Kicking off season two. Let's jump into this week's final four. So guys, I don't do resolutions. I want to do goals because resolutions to me, I always break and it's uh, blah, blah, blah. So give me your goal for 2021. Twist. So Santa brought me an Apple watch and it has been the greatest thing that ever happened to me because it forces me to move around, which I can usually just sit for a while and never move. So my goal is to close one ring a day and I've done that every day so far and I I've been very extremely good about it. Like I'll run at 10:30 at night just to get my ring closed. So I've been very good at it and I think I can do it for the whole year. Andres, I'll jump in here. I am going to throw two at you. One, I you know, I have been on this journey to reach my goal weight, so I'm not calling that a resolution, but I'm going to I'm just going to get better and reach my goal weight, but I but my real goal um as we jump into this is 66% of the days I do a Peloton ride. That's approximately 250 Peloton rides. So my job is in 2021, I'm going to hit 250 Peloton rides, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for my fat ass, it is. I love it. Yeah. My, my 2021 goals, um, you got two that are very top of mind. One is to meditate every day. I've been doing that for a while now, but it's to, to take 10, minutes in the morning and just meditate. We can talk about that on another show. The other one is to really work this year to be present in the things that I'm doing when I'm doing them. I like it. Like podcasting? Like podcasting. <laughs> I love it. Be dialed in. All right. And and I and I put together a cumulative biz dads. This is I think for the three of us. We talked about how does this thing continue to just be successful and why do we keep doing it? So two goals for the biz dads. Big guests. So be on the lookout, Biz Dad Nation. Big guests coming your way. And then tell your friends. We need tons of listeners. So go introduce the biz dads to five of your friends. Tell them, hey, I think you like this. That Andres guy is pretty smart. Twist, she's got a good outlook on things. Don't worry about the other guy. Go tell your friends. Hey, guys, never thought we would be at episode 31. This is super fun. Cannot wait for an amazing 2021. Final comments? Go Chiefs. <laughs> Meditate. Be calm. Everybody take a deep breath. This too shall pass. And I am going to wake up feeling dangerous, to quote my good quarterback, Baker Mayfield, you better watch out on Sunday. All right, biz dads, we're out of here. See you next week.